This is Uncommon Profit. My name is Flipman Dan, reselling and side hustle expert. And each week we interview leaders in untraditional niches making shocking income. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's get it. Sebastian Pilch cut his teeth in the workforce with nine to fives as a cook and as a suit salesman. But his life changed forever when he decided to start a side hustle to make some extra cash. It started with some used clothes in his closet and has now snowballed into a six-figure business. In this interview, we discuss his journey, tips and tricks to have a sustainable reselling business on eBay, and insights into the hustler's mindset. Please subscribe on Spotify or YouTube and make sure to share this with a friend who would love to learn about ways to make an uncommon profit. And now, Sebastian Pilch. Sebastian, thanks for coming out, man. Thanks for having me, dude. This is awesome. I love talking about reselling. I love spreading the word of this. <laughs> Great. So, Sebastian, where can, first of all, where can we find you on uh, online? Pretty much everywhere. Resell Junkie. Look me up. If you type it into the search bar, it actually helps the algorithm and it helps Google like us more. So, just type in Resell Junkie. Awesome, man. So uh, where did the journey begin for you, uh, reselling? So I've been thrifty my whole life because I've been poor my whole life. I've never had a good amount of money, none of that. A few years ago, I just got miserable with my corporate job. And literally, I started slacking off and I had nothing to do. So pretty much I had a corporate sales job. I had a little thrift route and this little sales route kind of added up together, right? Where the thrift stores were is where my customers were. So I had time to kill between like seeing my customers. So I'd go thrifting. Well, while killing time, I realized that there was a lot of stuff out there. Like it was kind of crazy how much stuff I was finding. Like these little like 20 minute like ways to kill time at work ended up being like me walking out of the store with literally $500 worth of inventory. It was just insane. And it just kind of snowballed from there to where I looked at my wife one day. I'm like, what's the number? Like, what do we need to do for you to be like, all right, let's just pull the trigger. Let's quit our jobs and let's go do this. We did $10,000 and that was our like number, right? We said, if we do $10,000 on eBay in one month, we'll just quit our jobs or we'll start to quit our jobs. I could quit my job and then she can quit hers a few months later. That happened, happened three months in a row. And we're like, you know what? Let's just do it. Let's see, let's see, let's just take the chance. We're miserable at our jobs. We hate our day to day. Like literally we were, my wife was depressed. I was depressed. We were angry. We were arguing like literally nothing was going the right way. The second I quit my job, my whole life changed. It was insane. Like it was almost like someone flipped a switch. The next morning I woke up, it was like a rebirth almost. Right started going thrifting every single day. I mean, I would go five times a day. Literally, I would go thrift shopping five times a day because I was so happy. I was so excited. Like, I didn't have to work anymore and this business was flourishing. And it was just, it was everything worked out. It was almost crazy. It's not that I got lucky. I, I put a lot of effort into this, right? But I was lucky because I have a lot of weird life experiences that led up to making this like experience really easy for me in a way. Like it's been a lot of hard work. I don't want to like say that it hasn't, but 
my kind of starting point was a little bit more escalated than others coming from like a sales background and having, you know, uh, fashion industry and technology and like experience and just all of those things. It really made it quite simple for me to leave the corporate world and to start thrifting full time, you know, but wow. it's not like that for everyone. Unfortunately, a lot of people have more ties than that. I didn't have my son at the time. Our life wasn't so serious at the time. So again, it, it really worked out for us. It, it, the timing, right? This is three years ago. This is pre 2020 craziness. And like everything was just, I want to say normal, you know, like there was no extremes in the world. Like it was just easy. And we built this and it's been hard ever since. I mean, it's gotten hard every single year. There's been struggles, but we haven't really had real jobs in a long time and it's great, man. It's, it's really great. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So, uh, you know, when you made that jump, uh, to become a full-time reseller, what were some of the mistakes and, uh, lessons you learned, uh, in making that jump in the beginning, uh, that kind of, uh, became easier over time? So it's two things. It's two really, really big things that, everyone messes up in the beginning it's their process and they're too eager right they get too excited they get too emotional right it's fun and it's all great and it's emotional and it's like a treasure hunt we could put all these like wishy-washy like words to it right at the end of the day we're going to thrift stores it's dirty we're finding new stuff and we're being scavengers right it's you can whitewash it any way you want but that's what we're doing at the end of the day though it's like where was i going sorry i lost my train of thought there on no, that one yeah. The, pro the processes and the processes uh, and getting emotional. Sorry. Mm -hmm. So people go to thrift stores like, and they see these people have these crazy wins on social media, right? They see these thousand dollar wrap t-shirts and I don't know if you saw it, but I found an uh, Apple home pod the other day, literally for $4 and I sold it for $190 a few hours later. People think that's normal. That's not normal. People don't understand that that never happens. That item should have never gone out to the floor. Like, it's pure dumb luck, but you need to distance yourself from the emotional aspect and getting overly excited about things before fully like processing the situation. So whether it's like finding a piece of inventory and thinking it's worth a million bucks when it's really just worth $10 and you just don't know that, or if it's doing a bulk buy from someone on Facebook that is actually a really sketchy person, but you're just really excited because you're getting a good deal. I've like, right, I mean, right. the amount of sketchy characters I've dealt with in my time, I'm not proud to say, but it's definitely been quite a few. I mean, you meet them, you know who I'm talking about on OfferUp. OfferUp oh, yeah. does not have the, <laughs> the brightest group of individuals on there. I mean, I'm sorry, but it's just people know to go on there to find scams and to do scams. It's just kind of common knowledge, you know? Right. Um, but people get so emotional, they get so wrapped up in like getting a good deal or making a huge flip. They, they don't understand what's actually going on in front of them right like the guy is waving his hand over here but he's really just reaching around and taking your money and he's selling you stolen goods or broken goods so i'm saying all that because i've been scammed i've bought broken cell phones i've bought like expired makeup because i didn't know that makeup could expire when i was younger and all that stuff right people get so excited and they want these thousand dollar sales and they just want every day to be perfect and they lose sight that things are at a thrift store for a reason right not everything at a thrift store is there because everyone's a good person like some things are just junk and people donate junk 
So before you get excited, look at every single thing. It's, I still, to this day, I get too excited about things. I buy them without thoroughly looking over them or I'm making like a stupid TikTok video at the thrift store and I miss something. Like literally this happens. It happened to me the other day. Like a huge gaping hole on a piece of like clothing that I missed as a professional clothing seller because I wasn't paying attention and I was getting emotional into TikTok and making a cute video, right? Right. So, so when, you, when you talk about, you know, li leaving your, your heart out of it when it mm -hmm. comes to getting these items in, believe me, I've made those mistakes before where I've had this shiny item thinking that, you know, I, I give it a quick look on eBay and it's, oh, mm -hmm. it's someone listed it for this amount of dollars and it must right. be worth it. But that's, you know, sometimes that's not the case. So, uh, you know, keeping your feet on the ground when it comes to going to, uh, thrift stores, that's a good tip. So you mentioned yeah. processes. So, um, you know, obviously you can't do everything yourself, right? So as far as process, this was my biggest crux in the beginning and why we didn't grow faster and maybe why we're not at a um, higher level than maybe we should be right now. So there's, I mean, I have videos, I have photos of this. I talk about this on my blog. It's just how bad I used to be at this. Like, just so so bad man like I had this little room in our house this little back room where I use as my eBay room it was the most overwhelming depressing room I could ever like put you in it was so dark the the shelves were up to the rafters right like the lighting was really yellow and I had death piles I mean literally just bags of stuff sitting there for months and I'm not saying that to try to show off that's clearly an awful thing to say but literally just things were sitting there for months and i couldn't even like bear to touch them right because i was so overwhelmed and so miserable being back there and one day i just looked at my wife i'm like this is just ridiculous we literally have over a grand like sitting there we have a thousand dollars worth of stuff sitting there but it hasn't been listed it hasn't been tested nothing has been done because i'm lazy and i don't know how to even start right so we completely tore that room apart. We completely gutted it. We moved everything around. We moved stuff into the basement. We literally aired it out. We got rid of the tall shelves. We changed the lighting. We changed the whole ambiance in that room. And again, literally overnight, it became something good and productive and beautiful. And like there was money to be made in that space now, rather than just like this dark, depressing hole of a room. And that sounds so, I, I just talked about not getting emotional, right? Yeah. But it's, there's a lot of emotions in this. Like people just think I'm reselling used crap online, but there's a lot of struggles. There's a lot of um, like inner turmoil with this, right? The constant struggle, you know how it is to find inventory, to deal with people, to logistics and all these things. And then on top of that, if you don't have a process and your space isn't your own, and before we started this video, you guys talked about my space. Like I put a lot of effort into this because I sit here every single day and I film here every single day. So I want it to be something that is engaging and something that's captivating, not only to people watching my videos, but to me. Because at the end of the day, you know, as a creator, if you're not inspired, there is no way you're going to get anything done. It doesn't matter how much money someone throws at you or how much fame or followers you want. If that inspiration or that muse isn't there, it's not going to happen. Right. And it's the same thing for reselling. It's the same thing for if you're a dentist, like your dental office should inspire you to work and inspire you to make your process better. You know, right. And I'm not saying every new person needs to be like Amazon and have their process so down and barcode everything. No, but 
there needs to be like an A to a Z. You need to know where things are starting and what your actual end goal is. Because if you don't know what the goal is, then you're just gonna kind of float around in the minutia and nothing's ever gonna get done like it did for us, you know? So that's a, that's a good point. You know, don't, don't take your, uh, the space that you work for granted. And oh. uh, obviously uh, it can, it can become overwhelming, especially when dealing with, uh, you know, both storing and listing. So do you have any tips for someone who is say starting out with a blank canvas of a garage or something like mm -hmm. that? Uh, how would you tell them to set up their, their reselling operation? So, I've tried a bunch of different methods. I've tried to, again, make myself feel special. And I've done the barcode method. I've bagged every single item individually. I paid like $50 a month for an inventory software with barcodes and a mobile app and like all these things, right? Like I, I tried to make it bigger than what it needs to be. Right now, we, we sell six figures. We sell a bunch of things every single month. And we don't have any of that. We literally just have shelves. We have some totes and we have the bin name on it, that's about it. And then on eBay and the custom label feature, we just put where the item's located. If you wanna go fancier than that, by all means you can, but again, you're gonna be spinning your wheels, making yourself feel special because at the end of the day, unless you're like a multi-channel high level seller and you're cross-listing on every single platform and all these things are talking to each other, you don't need all these crazy tools and you don't need anything fancy. You just need something that works for you and what works for us is just bins and shelves because again, we mostly sell clothing, you know, it's literally 99% clothing. So it doesn't really matter, you know, as far as like heavy things and all that good stuff. Now, gotcha. if someone's trying to, you know, trying, trying to flip VCRs and things like that, it's going to require a little bit more intentionality because the last thing you want to do is just stack a bunch of like VCRs on top of each other and then have to like dig through piles. So with those things, you definitely want to get a little bit more creative. And this is where like being, again, creative or being able to MacGyver things is great, you know? So set right. up your shop, your process, your garage, however, like kind of makes sense to you, but just don't overthink it. That's the biggest thing, man. As long as you can find something within 30 seconds to at the most a minute, you shouldn't overthink it at that point, you know? Right. So. That, that's actually really impressive that, you know, you're, you're able to have a six figure business and, and not dive too deep and, and, you know, put all these, uh, extra steps in the way of you making your sales. If you have a system that works for you, yeah. uh, that's definitely, that's, that's great advice. So, um, when finding your niche, obviously it took you some time to settle on clothing, mm -hmm. uh, talk about how you went through that journey and how you settled on that niche. All right. So, <laughs> this is going to kind of be a story, but it does wrap up. I'm not going to ramble on too long. Sure. When I was younger, again, I, I was not like really, really poor, but like I was poor. I'm the son of immigrants, like just all that kind of story. Right. So my parents never cared about my clothing or like what was cool. Right. So I always wanted Jordans and I always wanted these things, but my parents would never buy me nice shoes. I remember really vividly in elementary school, I wanted a new pair of Nikes and I only had one pair of shoes. So I, I went home one day and I took some scissors and I literally cut those shoes and forced my parents to buy me new shoes. Like I literally destroyed those only pair of shoes. So where I grew up and like in the nineties, like kids still made fun of each other for like clothing or, you know what I'm saying? Like kids were really mean back in the day. Like if you ever tried to be different or into clothes or fashion, like people would just call you names. So I always suppressed that for a long time. And I, I 
I lost interest in clothing for a long time. Like for I mean, many, many years, I mean, over 15 years, I did not care about clothing. So I ended up following photography towards fashion photography, which is really interesting, right? I, I had this dream of becoming a professional photographer and I went down the fashion route. I was shooting this one kid in New York City that I met on Craigslist. He's the first person I ever did a free shoot with in uh, New York City, right? This guy named Justin, he changed my life completely. We went downtown during New York City Fashion Week and he was a blogger, so I was just taking a few shots of him. And we ended up going to this store named Suit Supply. It's in the middle of New York City in Soho, which is like the fashion capital of the world. We're standing there in line, like there's all these like really good looking dudes with suits on, just like looking really proper there. I'm like, Justin, this place is like really cool. He's like, yeah, just go apply. I'm like, what, what, do, you, what do you mean apply? Why would I apply here? I'm just like a photographer, stupid chef, right? So I applied. <laughs> I, I don't know why I applied. I, I listened to this kid. And at this time I had left the Michelin star world of cooking in kitchens to make donuts. So I had just left my dream job to make donuts at this startup. And now I'm leaving my original culinary career path in life to take a sales uh, job in fashion, which I know nothing about, right? So this is a suit shop and I had never worn a suit in my life. I got the job and I was selling suits to big shots within two months. I was on that floor selling suits. So I learned a lot about clothing but I really learned one valuable lesson. And if anyone's gonna listen to anything I say on this podcast is to never think with your own wallet, okay? Whatever is in your bank account does not mean anything, okay? People spend a lot of money on crazy stuff and I, I need people to understand what that means. Me as just one crappy salesperson, I can get a guy to buy five grand worth of suits within 20 minutes on his lunch break in New York City. It happened all the time. It was insane how much these people spent on just clothing, right? And this is just their clothing budget. I mean, these guys literally would just spend five grand a month on suits just to replenish them. It was not a big deal whatsoever. With that job, I learned a lot of confidence skills. I learned how to interact and make small talk. And I just, I learned what fashion was and I understood what quality was. Not so much what like, cool brands and like what, what like the kids like. I really truly understood the psychology of what people wanted, like rich people, right? It, what people that had real taste wanted. I, I saw these guys, I knew how they dressed and they understood clothing more than just uh, a brand name, right? They weren't just wearing Gucci uh, to wear Gucci. They were wearing different brands and they were intentional with it. And that kind of showed me the intentionality and I mean, the thought process of clothing and how important clothing actually is to most people. But it also taught me that people are crazy. Like people, I had friends that had $1,000 sneakers and then were wearing $2,000 boots. And I mean, this was so common. It was insane. Like it was the amount of stories I could tell you about crazy values of clothing that I, I know about just because of firsthand experience from friends or from free shoots that I was doing with people. It, it blew my mind. So I'm like, if people are spending this much money on it, everyone wears clothing, why not sell clothing? <laughs> like we were saying earlier too, like it's easy to ship. There's no logistical nightmares to it. And then when you find your niche in clothing, because like just clothing in general is not a niche, right? It's too broad of a topic. You'll get flooded if you just want to sell clothes. 
most people don't understand that used men's clothes is a niche because men are brutes and they destroy their clothing. So it's hard to find, right? It's just one of those things where all of these things snowballed from me being in elementary school, desperately wanting to be cool and fitting in to getting this stupid sales job, luckily, and learning like what real value is. It, and it just all wrapped up. I don't know. It just kind of came to our niche. And now, like I, I told you in our Instagram DMs, like our market is active males between 30 and 55 years old. You know? So when you were saying uh, don't think with your wallet, what, what did you mean by that? Dude, there's people with so much money out there that spend so much money on stupid stuff. People think that just because I have $1,000 in my bank account, that that's all that people have, or that I only buy $10 t-shirts, that people only buy $10 t-shirts. When there's t-shirts that are $1,000 that people buy every single day. It's one of those things where people are scared to ask for money. And maybe like you kind of understand as a, when you're starting out of, as a videographer, your skills maybe weren't so high, so you did free shoots, right? You did a lot of free stuff. I don't even have to ask, I know you did, right? So <laughs> it's the same thing here, right? It's like people think that just because they don't buy certain things or they don't spend this much money on certain things, that they're scared to ask for money. They're scared to think that things are valuable. This kind of happens in like the vintage t-shirt market. A lot of the prices are like just crazy, crazy high and flooded, but it also comes because like those items are really, really, really rare, right? You don't find those items ever. And there are rich people that want those items. You know, there are business owners that want those items as collectibles. And that's another thing is like people think that they're only selling to people. They don't understand that people on eBay, they could be like movie producers. You, you don't have no idea who you're selling to. So maybe like, yeah, ask for more money than what things are worth. And don't be scared to ask for money for things. It's just like a general life lesson. You know, people are scared to talk about money and they're scared to ask for money because they think that money doesn't exist, but there's a lot of money out there in the world. So that's right. kind of, it's something I just want to like make people understand is just because you make 40,000 a year doesn't mean that there's not someone that makes 40 grand a day. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> so as far as how you go about reselling, so you're pretty much all on eBay at this point and um, you know, you, you, you've sung its high praises. Um, and can you go a little bit into the, the tactical of some tips that you might have with, someone using eBay to, to sell clothing? So my number one thing, it's gonna suck. In the beginning, it is gonna suck so bad. It is not fun whatsoever until you get a bunch of feedback built up, until you get those restrictions lifted off of you, it is not gonna be a fun route. Um, it's something that if someone wants to get started selling online, I, I know I mentioned to you earlier in the DMs too that I despise Poshmark, and I do, but Poshmark and Mercari and platforms like those, they have a lot less of a hurdle for normal people just to get started. So our journey actually did start on Poshmark. That's where I just pulled something out of my closet and I sold it through there really fast. And that's something, even though I don't like Poshmark, I highly recommend people just kind of skip over eBay in the beginning. Now it's crazy because I teach people how to sell on eBay, but as a pure beginner, I'd really rather someone sell something on Facebook, Mercari or Poshmark. It's just so much simpler. It's less hurdles. The shipping process is easier. And overall, it's one of those things where like 
I wouldn't want to make someone miserable off the get-go because they're not going to ever want to do it again. I want them to have a few wins under their belt and then I want them to move on into like the, maybe the bigger world, right? Because eBay is a worldwide marketplace. You have all these sales tools. You can do so much and you can, you can start a legitimate business on eBay. And there's plenty of legitimate businesses that run on eBay, like Fortune 500, Fortune 50 companies have things on eBay that they sell products through, right? But you don't see that on Poshmark. You don't see that on these other platforms. So eBay is kind of like the big dog in this world. So rather than just thinking about like, you need to go on eBay and start an eBay store and list 500 things, no. You need to go in your closet, you need to pull out 10 things that you don't wear and you need to list them right now. Rather than thinking about eBay, rather than thinking about how stressful it is, all the logistics, all the shipping, you just need to act and you need to see if you even like this, right? Because people could be watching this, they could be watching all these like YouTube videos about reselling. What if they do their first listing and they hate it? Why are you going to dedicate so much time to this? Like, just because we enjoy it doesn't mean anything, right? It's, I'm, right. I'm scrappy. I'm, I'm a scumbag. So I like being in the <laughs> trenches. Not everyone's like that. You can't convince a corporate white collar guy to just quit his job and just do this, right? But you can convince most people to download Poshmark and go sell stuff out of their closet. That's a pretty easy uh, thing to tell people to go do. So that's really what I like to start with. It maybe didn't answer your question as well as you maybe wanted it to, but I really just would rather be helpful and get people going rather than them overwhelming themselves, you know? No, absolutely. That's great to start the momentum to become a, a reseller. So someone like uh, a person in my shoes, uh, mm. I kind of came from a different route where I really got uh, established myself on an app offer up. And uh, a lot of people uh, have various things to say about this app, uh, you know, with a, a decent amount of scammers. But I think it's the same thing with eBay, where once you establish yourself there and you have all of these reviews and that sort of thing, yeah. uh, less people are inclined to scam you because they know that you're not going to fall for it. Exactly. Um, how would you go about establishing yourself quickly on eBay so you can get over those initial hurdles and then reach those next levels. And what's the quickest way to do that? Okay. So I'm sure you've heard this, but like most people fail right before they win. Right. So there's been a lot of points in our eBay history that I've just like looked at my wife, Cheyenne, and I'm like, I'm done. I am just done. I'm not doing this anymore. I hate this. Like I'm going to go look for a job. That's the one hurdle you kind of need to get over. You need to push past that hump and keep listing, right? You mentioned you get scammers and all these messages. I mentioned that I never really got that. I, I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's because I was selling vintage electronics along the way. I wasn't, I'm not sure, you know, so I've never had that experience, but I hear about it all the time on the eBay forums. I hear about it all these places. That's all people talk about. Now, I have 2,700 positive feedback, something like that, 2,700 and change. It's taken three years to get there and it's taken me shipping the next day or the same day, offering free shipping and just being great at customer service, right? So that's the best way to build up credibility. But to actually get that feedback, it just takes pure listings. Like if you're already selling, you've had a few sales wins and you're like yourself and you want to get set up, get to three to 500 listings. That's my number one tip. Get there and then your business will change. 
at least that's what happened for us. Once we kind of hit that 300 stride, it was almost not, not passive income, but you, you still have to work for it, but it was money coming in every single day that was, you know, spent maybe weeks ago or months ago. It was just, we had an influx of inventory now at this point to where it really started feeling like a real business and you had the cash flow coming in too. That's another big problem with this is people give up too early because, excuse me, they run out of cash. Maybe they buy uh, a thousand coffee mugs and they think all of them are going to sell in a week and they just spent five grand and they're sitting on it, right? It's the same thing with used inventory. Maybe you're not buying one wholesale lot, but if you're spending $200 a week on used inventory, it's going to add up, especially if those things aren't selling, you know? Like, yeah, it, it's a savings account, but still you're out of cash. You've burned through your cash and you're waiting for it to come back. Whereas when you have a bunch of inventory and it's all just been kind of sitting there and just stirring and just selling and you have steady cash, it's a lot easier to pivot and to make bigger buys just to keep buying every single day, right? I mean, when you're starting out and you have no money and say you're starting off a hundred bucks, you spend that hundred bucks and you can't buy any more stuff until you sell some stuff, right? The more stuff you have listed, the more stuff you can sell. That's, that's like the thing. People want to do 50 listings and then they complain about eBay being slow and things not selling. You only have 50 listings and there's a gajillion things on eBay. It's like, what do you expect? You know, and with clothing, this is again, why I don't recommend anyone do this. just full steam on eBay right away with clothing. It's one of the most competitive categories you could ever be in. It is so competitive. It's, I mean, you have to understand what you're doing or you will not make money. And I'm successful with clothing because I understand clothing. It's not because I'm great at eBay, not because I have some sort of magical process. It's because I know what clothes to buy. You know, like that's the secret. It's knowing your niche and getting the right product. Right? Now, I told you, we sold a bunch of different things over the years and we've never really had issues with scams or things like that, but we still had bad times. We still had returns. We still had things get broken. Just we've been through bad situations. We never quit. Again, we never, ever, ever quit. It's eBay sucks to this day. Think bad things happen every single day. I get returns from dummies saying that something is off by like a quarter inch of a measurement on a piece of clothing, right? It's just, it's things happen daily and people seem to just want to shelter up and go on the eBay forums and complain and just like fume in it rather than just being like, all right, let me just take that return and let me just keep going. Right. People want to just sit and fume instead of keeping going. That's a big problem I see. I, I see it all the time and people just get so disheartened and they get frustrated and they like think like eBay's holding them down and like all these crazy things, you know? Yeah. So definitely try to deliver and uh, do good on customer service in the beginning and, you know, maybe even go out and, and extremely competitively list some items. Mm-hmm. That way you can just make sales in the beginning. 100%. It is, uh, is some, something that I'm, I'm hearing as well. So um, as far as how you source, so mm-hmm. you briefly mentioned while we were talking before this, that you, it's like almost a gold mine of thrift stores where you're from and uh, in Utah. And mm-hmm. uh, is that where you're currently sourcing or are you wholesale sourcing or, or something like that at this point? 
No, so when we were in Utah, it was amazing. We live in Colorado now and it's amazing in a different way. So we live in a higher income area with um, definitely a very different demographic than what we had back in Utah. It's not large families. It's just, you know, usually just smaller, tighter knit kind of communities of people where you find higher quality items, right? Whereas in Utah, we found a bunch of items, but they weren't super high quality. Here, finding less items, but they're closer to us and they're way more quality. So, I mean, I have my main thrift stores are just within a few minutes of me. So it's really simple for me just to pop over there and just go get a few things and just come home. And it only takes, you know, literally 45 minutes if I wanted to. Now, we've gone down like the rabbit hole of buying liquidations. Like I had a great source in Utah where I was buying a bunch of those, spent thousands of dollars and it was great. It was amazing having a bulk source of inventory. But at the same time, all I was doing is buying myself a job. I was getting myself a warehouse. I was getting myself a headache and back pain. You know, we had a lot of stuff, but we had a lot of responsibility, a lot of work. And people are happy buying liquidation lots because it's a lot of inventory at once, which is great. But it's also a lot of inventory that you have to test. Right? It's, it's a lot of work. And there's some really great heavy hitters as far as is concerned on YouTube, like um, Resale Rabbit. I'm not sure if you watch him, but he's a big dude that does liquidation pallets. So I do suggest people watching him. He does a lot of like Target and like just kind of cheaper stuff. And it's just really interesting seeing his perspective on this liquidation game because honestly, it is kind of a game. If you're getting into liquidation, you're probably going to fail and you're going to get ripped off most likely. It's it's one of those things where you kind of find the scummiest people on the earth selling these things. You know, it's people get ripped off so bad every single day. I've been ripped off on liquidation pallets and just, you can't trust them. You, you really cannot trust them. You have to be so, so careful of how you source. And again, it goes back to being emotional. I got ripped off because I was emotional. You know, it's, you, you just have to really be careful when it comes to sourcing like that. But one great way to source now, especially if you don't want to go out, many people don't know this, shopgoodwill.com. You can actually go on there and filter by advanced search by your Goodwill store if they offer local pickup. So you can actually bid on like the best stuff that Goodwill filters out. So if you maybe think that your Goodwill doesn't get good stuff anymore, you should check this website because that's where it might be going. <laughs> wow. So yeah. the advanced people are uh, grabbing it before it hits the shelves online. Yeah, I'm not sure if you knew that Goodwill does have this auction website and the majority of their really, really nice stuff ends up going there. So a lot of us wondered over the course of the past years, like where did video games go? And like, where are all these things that used to be at Goodwill? Why don't they, they're like on the retail shelves anymore. It's because they're all going to this website. Like people complain about resellers, but then it's like Goodwill's double dipping, but like we're, we're bad people. It's funny. You know? right, right. It's so funny, man. It's, I, I don't get it. <laughs> so, so Sebastian, um, you know, you're, you're going out to these thrift stores and go, talk to me about your thought process about how, what you're looking for and what makes a good item to purchase in your shoes. So when it comes to clothing, I'm looking, okay. So again, this is going to sound wishy-washy. Yeah. I think of this stuff in like a, bigger, higher level. When I walk into a thrift store, I don't go through each garment and like look at it one by one. I'm skimming. I'm skimming everything. Like it's like reading a book. You don't read an entire book. At least most people don't read every single word. 
I don't look at every single item. I just look for fabrics and I look for patterns and styles and shapes, right? So it, it sounds crazy and it sounds really far-fetched, but when I say shapes, I mean like cargo pockets. And when I say styles, I mean like military. And it's like, I can spot these things out because I know that 99% of the stuff at thrift stores is a waste of my time. Once you know that, once you hone down on what you're actually looking for, you can kind of clear past all the fluff. You ever seen that movie Limitless with Matthew McConaughey? When he takes the pill and everything just goes crazy? That's yeah. super sorry. That other handsome dude. Bradley Cooper, yeah. Dude, by the way, you kind of look like him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, his vision goes clear, and that's kind of how I feel in a thrift store, right? Again, it sounds crazy, and it sounds wishy-washy, but it's like, yeah, it's like cargo pocket, military. <laughs> like, that's how my brain works. If you walk into a thrift store right now, and you try to go through every single piece of clothing, there are all 15,000 things that might be on the rack, you will lose your mind. You will absolutely lose your mind. Shifting towards what, once you have the, the inventory and everything, mm. um, are you using any analytical tools to help you make these decisions? Or is it just going by feel of what you've sold in the past and your, your knowledge? So I look very few things up. When it comes to clothing, I look very, very few things up because most things sell for a general price range. Again, like we, we probably spend hours just talking about this, but for the most part, like if I have a certain style of vintage t-shirt, I know what it's probably going to sell for certain jeans. Like I, I just, I have a baseline kind of threshold of what I know I'm going to get. Now, if I do find something special, something really, really unique, I will always look it up as far as like eBay sold listings. And I mean, if you really want to go down the rabbit hole, you can go down Terra Peak and just look into crazy amounts of detail, but I've never, ever done that. I've never needed to as far as use items are concerned. So, yeah, I mean, just I look things up if they're really special. That's kind of my rule. But again, that's because I've wasted a lot of money on stuff that never sold, and I memorized that. You know, I've, so, okay, let me just stop right here. This is a really good life lesson that I learned when I first started this. A college education is really expensive, right? Like a college degree costs you a bunch of money. Kind of the same with a thrift degree. You need to be okay with spending and losing, you know, thousands of dollars a year. That's okay. You should be losing thousands of dollars a year on bad inventory buys because that means you're trying to learn, right? So that's something that really stuck with me in the beginning. It's to not like fret that like it's going to happen you're going to buy bad stuff it's going to sit around or never sell or be broken or that's that's okay it's okay to burn through money there's not a single business in the world and there's not a single ceo in the world that makes a perfect decision every single time so it's okay to screw up that's one big thing i want to make sure people know that's really really solid advice um so when when you do have these losses sometimes what what are you doing with this dead inventory are you throwing it away or just liquidating it like at your own garage sale or something like that. What are you doing with this stuff? If it's really dead, I'll just donate it. I, I just cut my losses. I don't like storing stuff. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a minimalist, but I definitely don't like having items and possessions. Uh, so I'll just donate things, uh, sometimes bulk sales, but for the most part, I don't like doing that because I don't like selling people junk, you know? I've just never been that kind of guy. I had really bad luck buying wholesale lots of, off of people and they were just, they were just junk, you know? So I never want to push that onto other people. And it's one of those things where you got to cut your losses. You really do. 
you know, there's, there's no other way around it. I cut my losses with customers with returns. You just, you can't fret on those things. You can't just be upset that you wasted $4 on this t-shirt a year ago. Like people <laughs> literally toil over that, man. Like there's people that are like so upset that their $4 buy didn't sell. It's, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> you know, you're not going to win every game. Right. That, that's, that's a, a great philosophy to kind of follow when, when getting into this industry. So um, you know, Sebastian, I want to acknowledge you, man. Uh, you know, thank you for taking out the time and, and sharing your, your great depth of knowledge on this, on this topic and everything. Um, is there anything that you want to leave the audience with? Any final like tips or pieces of advice to help someone along the way? I was in the lowest point of my life three years ago. Three, yeah, three years ago. Lowest point of my life. I had the job that people would say is like a perfect dream job for a stupid idiot without a college degree. I had full benefits, great salary, great commissions, great trajectory in life, all that good stuff. I was so miserable. It's so, I, I cannot begin to tell you how sad and depressed I was. Going to thrift stores and reselling you stuff online changed my life. It changed my family's life. I've been there since the first day that my son was born and I haven't left this side since. Never had a babysitter, never had any of that. It's the best thing I ever did. And it started because I literally went into my closet and I sold you stuff. There's no other secret, man. People just need to start. There's no secret to this. No, it, I don't care what any guru tells you. I sell courses. Don't buy the course. Just start something. I don't need your money. I just want people to do something, but most people will never do anything. So just you know? get out there and do it, man. Thank just you. Do it, man. Just like the t-shirt says, just like Nike branded it, just man. Just do it, dude. Just do it. <laughs> well, thanks so much, uh, you know, Sebastian. It's great that uh, we had this chat and everything. And uh, I know the audience will be leaving with uh, a lot on their mind to uh, bring to their own businesses. So appreciate fun, you, man. man. And uh, you know, we'll be in touch. We will, dude. Fist bump. Peace.